Good morning. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, your mercies are new every morning. Though we deserve only punishment, you receive us as your dear children and provide for all of our needs of body and soul. Grant that we may heartily acknowledge your merciful goodness to us and give thanks for all your benefits and serve you in willing obedience. All of this only through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Does this place feel like home to you? Now, maybe you never thought about it before. I know that the vast majority of you, whether you are here or you are at home and you just can't come in because of health conditions, you really feel as though this is probably one of the most comfortable places you know on the planet. This is the place where you feel like you were wrapped in a warm blanket getting a big warm hug. But I also know that there's no doubt some of you who heard me ask you that question, does this place feel like home to you? And you go, home? This place feel like home? Are you joking? I feel most of the time like a stranger here. In fact, there are times when I don't even feel like I belong here or like I'm even wanted here. No, no, Pastor, this place does not feel like home to me. But your personal home and this spiritual home is supposed to be a respite, a refuge for you from the slings and arrows that are out there. There are plenty of things, there are plenty of things that can uh, get you off course. Plenty of things in life. And there are obviously plenty of things besides just externals that can get you off course and get your compass headed in the wrong direction. I mean, you, maybe, maybe now that you're working at home, but you know, still, the mundane tasks of your routine job they can kind of get you kind of morphed and changed and realigned into this kind of bleary-eyed kind of robot that just does the same thing over and over and over again, right? Or you have, what's that phrase that I wanted to use? Yeah, the tyrannies of the urgent. Everything's always urgent and everything's always important all at the same time. And it just builds up this stress and it builds up this pressure to the point where you just, just your brain just starts getting overloaded and you just kind of get jettisoned out into the void of the chaos and the mayhem of it all. And you just kind of, your gyroscope is just all messed up and you just can't find your way back. What about life? Whether you're working at home or whether you're working back in the office, life just has a way of just pounding at you and grinding you down until you look out and the landscape looks oh so swamp-like and your otherwise normal enthusiasm to be getting up and going has basically, after two years of COVID, gone up and went. There are a lot of things that can get you off course and get your compass heading in the wrong direction. But it's not just external things. God 
had created us to be family under God here. This is supposed to be our spiritual home. So this is the time when we beg forgiveness from Christ. And we beg forgiveness for one another for that time when I was short with you, when I had unkind thoughts about you, when I was selfish and self-centered with my time for you. But I think you, being a member of this family under God that we call the Evangelical Lutheran Church of St. Paul, you could, you could ask for that same forgiveness, couldn't you? Were we so upset about that silly thing about how to do this or that? Were we so self-absorbed with ourselves and the way that we wanted it that we didn't even stop to think that maybe my moving from this pew to that pew would help serve others and accommodate a family of more people? And I could kind of slide in there. But oh no, 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 I'm going to let that get my nose out of joint. Were we simply too selfish, too selfish to consider the tone and tenor of our voices, but too selfish also to consider the needs of other people? For all these sins and more, we plead forgiveness from our Savior, we plead forgiveness from one another, our brothers and sisters, that we did not reflect the love of God, this, this amazing God that has showered his love upon us we, this messy family of God, repent of our sins. This morning, we're faced with a parable about a family. And like every family, there's a little dysfunction going on. In this family, though, you need to keep your eye on the father. Because father has two boys. Jesus is telling this sermon, or this parable, to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who basically were muttering to, about him. He eats with sinners. He hangs out with sinners. And he tells this, he tells this parable in order to realign their thinking, to rebalance their thinking, to reboot their thinking from, from a gospel standpoint to remind their thinking that this is the God of the universe. Behold this Father's love as I tell you this story. You know this younger son. He's full of vim, vigor, and vitality, which is one way to put it. He wants to live large and live life on his terms. He wants no boundaries. He wants no borders. He wants no fences. He wants no restrictions. He wants freedom. In fact, he wants freedom and out from the farm. What farm boy doesn't? He wants off of that farm and out of that small town, and he wants to hit the big town. And so what does he do? He goes to his father, and he asks for his share of the inheritance so that he can go off and do whatever he wants to do. And so after receiving his inheritance, he tucks it away in a safe place, he packs up his belongings, and he's, he's out of there. He's gone. Now, living large with a lot of money and indulging in all that bling 
can plow through, burn through cash, kind of like a spring bear devours food. I mean, it's just gone like that. So it's only a matter of time until this young man finds himself in a really bad situation where he is destitute, dead broke, and he happens to find himself in a part of the world where there is now ultimately a terrible, severe famine. Now he's in real trouble. Now he's really got a big problem in front of him, and he's struggling to survive. So he's fallen about as low as he can possibly go for a Jew. What is he doing? He's tending pigs. Pigs are unclean animals. You're not just supposed to not eat pork chops or ham hocks or pickled pig's feet. You're not supposed to be anywhere near them because they make, they make you unclean. And yet, here he is while he longs, tending these pigs, while he longs to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. That's a condensed version of the younger son. Do you get Jesus' point here? In trying to break free and have his freedom, he made himself enslaved. He let the devil play him like a puppet and squander that hard-earned inheritance that his father had given him on wild living, wild women, and unholy desires that are never, ever, ever satisfied no matter how much money you have. In trying to break free and win his freedom, he enslaved himself or allowed himself to be enslaved. Now, what about, what about the older son? You know him as well. He's the dutiful and obedient one. He's probably the firstborn, so he's got this type A personality. I know a little bit of thing about, too, about those kind of guys. You've got to watch out for them. They're just driven. This is the guy that was up early at the crack of dawn, probably even before the birds were singing, and he was out there milking cows and feeding the goats, looking after the chickens, and he was cleaning out the barn. He's doing everything that he's always been asked to do and more. He's over the top in his allegiance and his servitude to his father. He's the total opposite of his younger brother. But now that his brother's coming home, or has come home, now the sparks are going to fly. And this is now another confrontation between the elder son with the father. All these years I've been slaving for you. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, you notice he doesn't say when my brother came home. He says when this son of yours comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Old man, there is no way that this is fair. Old man, have you lost your mind that you're going to allow this wretch of a son who has been prostituting around, burning up all your money, you're actually going to allow him back into our household? Old man, after all he's done, you're actually going to now throw a party for him and kill the fattened calf and put a robe on him and put a ring back on him, which basically reinstates him as my brother? Old man, come to your senses. Have you lost your mind? But all the while, this is the brother who gave not a care that his younger brother was running away. All the while, this is the brother 
who was never once concerned about the fact that his younger brother's soul was free-falling into hell. You know this, brother. So what's Jesus' point? Jesus' point is that some get lost running away from home, and some get lost never even stepping out of the house or off the farm. You know this, brother. Just like the other brother. You know him well. You've seen him. You've met him. And like both brothers, most recently in the bathroom mirror this morning. So what's Jesus' big point in all of this? You know, when I was a boy, I really thought that this parable was just about the the selfish, disobedient, younger son. But what you really need to do with this parable is you need to keep your eye on the father. And you need to keep an eye on where he goes and what he does. Because if repentance means being turned around from going the wrong way and headed back in the right direction, if repentance means being taken from being off course with the wrong compass heading to be given the right compass heading, then forgiveness means the willingness to receive someone back home. You see, it was the father who went out to these two sons where they were at at just the right time and to to the one son to welcome him back with full open arms and full fatherly love. And it was to the second son that he had to remind him that his love had never left him in the first place. The father going out to meet these two sons where they were at This speaks volumes about what divine love is really like. And this is the divine love that has made us, the family of the Evangelical Lutheran Church of St. Paul, under God. So one last point, just to kind of tie into this. The question is often asked, Can you be a Christian and not go to church? I don't like that question, but we'll entertain it for just a minute. Can you be a Christian and not go to church? Technically, yes, you can be a Christian and not go to church. And there are members of our congregation that we call shut-ins that for various reasons, primarily due to age, primarily due to health, they are not able to actively participate in the worship life of church here. They participate by our Zoom feed, our Facebook feed, right? But when we consider who it is that is here that have all gathered when we do gather for worship, Our brother Jesus is here. And our brothers and sisters in Christ are here. So maybe the best way to answer that question is with another question. Um, Who would want to? Who would want to be a Christian and not come to church? I mean, can I still be a member of my family 
if, when I go back to Milwaukee, I do not visit my father at his home, or I do not visit our son, I mean our daughter and our son-in-law at their home, or I do not go and visit my sister Chris and her family, yeah, technically, I can still be a member of the Getzinger clan without going and visiting them, my, my relatives, in their homes. But I gotta ask you, I can't imagine any reason in life why I would not want to go visit them in their homes. St. Paul family, it's time to come home. It's time to come home. COVID has erased two years of your worship life with your Savior Jesus here and with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's time to come home. You know, I use this phrase probably too much, but this is really probably one of the most glorious, uplifting, inspiring, comforting parables, pieces of scripture in the entire Bible. And I honestly feel as though I'm not communicating it very well. It's like I need the, the, the language of angels to be able to communicate the love of this Father that Jesus reveals to us today. Because, you know, I can understand why God would be just hating on, on me. And I can understand why he would be angry with the human race. And I can totally understand why he would be indifferent to all of us. Oh, they had their chance. I'm done with them. We'll just let them kind of peter out and, and eventually the whole planet will be destroyed by them. But the fact that Jesus reveals to us a Father in heaven who loves us so much, no, more personally, that he loves a miserable wretch like me the vilest offender of his law and his will. And that on top of that, he would expose this love that he has for vile, wretched sinners like me, that he would send his own son into this cesspool to allow himself to get all messed up and all stunk up in order to rescue me from my sins and my stupidities that I got myself into in the first place, and then, as if that's not enough to bring me up to par with his righteousness, on top of that, he showers open this love that just opens up the gates of heaven, and he considers me his own dear child? What? Who is this incredible God? This is the God of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel by which we live now. And this is the gospel by which we die. And when our last hour comes, as it must come for all the sons and daughters of Adam, when we were a long, long way off, what we're going to discover is that the Father saw us and he had compassion on us. And he ran out and he rescued us. And he gave us a really big hug and he says, welcome home.
This is a most incredible gift that he has given to us and that he exposes to us in this gospel lesson. It's amazing. It's almost unbelievable, and yet he rose, and it's all true. This is the most amazing gift that he has given to you. And this is the most amazing gift that you can share with your brothers and sisters in Christ and with your friends and your relatives to show them how they too can behold the Father's love that leads them back home. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, it will guard and it will keep your hearts and mind through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. At this time, Pastor Cook will